of when I was 15 years old, uh, I was on a youth trip to, um, to Tybee Island. Uh, we were, it was just literally a beach weekend. We, uh, I was born and raised in Savannah, Georgia, if, if you don't, not that you care, but just in case you didn't know that. Um, and, you know, have been a, a avid beachgoer all my life. That's not true. Um, my normal statement that I will make is that when, if I even think about the beach, I'll burst into flames. And so when I was uh, 15, um, we went on this beach uh, retreat, and I didn't do a whole lot out on the beach. Now, let me set the stage a little bit also. I'm 15. Uh, I'm uh, a football player, uh, and I have acne. So that may not make you know, I mean, I care at all about that. Um, but there was a medicine for teenagers with acne called Accutane at the time. And it dried your skin up really, really bad. Well, it was getting time for either lunch or dinner. I can't quite remember which one. And I was inside the house that we were staying at. And the leader asked me if I would go get the rest of the group and get them to come in and, and, and so they could have lunch or whatever meal we were enjoying. So I went out and I found my friends and it took me about 15 minutes one direction in the beach and then 15 minutes to come back to the house. And then we enjoyed our meal and they all went back and then I probably watched TV or played pool or did something like that. And uh, about the Bible study time that night, I'm not, I'm not feeling real hot. I, I, matter of fact, I'm, I'm feeling really, really hot. <laughs> I'm not feeling really well. And uh, I decide that I'm going to go to bed early. And so I just call it a night after the Bible study, and then I wake up to the smell of bacon in the morning. It was not me, but there was an actual smell of bacon in the morning. <laughs> and um, I, it, and it's, it's, this is when I learned that as an adult or as a parent, that the kid's reaction is 100% dependent upon your reaction. So I got up, and I walked into the kitchen, and I saw our, our leader, and I just said, I don't feel really good. And he just looked at me, and without even blinking, he said, you know what? we probably ought to go ahead and get you home. I, pro I probably just need to go ahead and put you in the truck and, and take you home. And we have cell phones in those days. And so I, he apparently made a call and called my parents, let them know that we were coming. It was about a 20, 25 minute drive. And so we come back to the house, we get into uh, the, the house and my parents see me and they're like, you know what, you, you don't look like you feel well. You probably ought to go on to bed. So I went back to bed and woke up a couple hours later and right across the hall was, was the bathroom that my brother and I shared. And I walked in. And within about two minutes, there's this big length mirror in front of the sinks. And I scream bloody murder because there is a purple thing. There's a purple person in the mirror looking back on me. And I, it has scared the snot out of me. And my mother comes in and basically what had happened was the Accutane had dried my skin up so much that I had golf ball sized blisters consuming every inch of me and I had already turned purple. Uh, and so uh, they knew that this was not a good thing, so they immediately called doctor friends of ours. And this story does have a point. Um, they called doctor friends of ours. We went to the to the doctor's office where we had friends, and the, I can remember that they had to had to put things over my eyes because they were going to incision the blisters. And and then they shot me. And again, I'm a football player. They shot me with the highest dose of steroids they could possibly shoot me with because it was the only thing that was going to counteract the, the poison that was now a part of me. Now, 
hindsight, it turned out fine. I got the best tan I've ever had in my entire life. Um, but what they wished they had done, what they wished, I, I mean, it was, I was such a monstrosity. I was such a monstrosity that they wished they had taken pictures to see the before and the after, to see what the medicine had done and to see how I had, I had been healed. What's the point of that story? It's the only illustration I could think of to ask you just to look around the room. Just look around the room. Nobody's sunburnt. Nobody's got blisters. Nobody's a purple monster or anything like this. But this is the before. This is a relaunch. This is a new thing that we are doing. This is something that we are starting. And I've asked Davey at some point before the evening ends, or maybe Kathy with her phone, but I just want you to get a visual picture because you are a part of starting something. I don't know if you've ever started something in your life before. I wish we had taken a picture of Sunday mornings a year ago. I wish we had taken a, a picture of Sunday mornings, you know, when we first, because look around the room on a Sunday morning and look what God's doing. I can't wait to look a year from now with these Wednesday evenings and see what God has done. So if you don't mind, just do it again. Just take a glance at the room because you're a part of something. And hopefully you'll still be here a year from now. Hopefully I'll still be here a year from now. <laughs> yeah, everybody's like, well, you don't know. Um, but I hope and I pray that God will do something with this. Why? Because I don't, I don't believe that this is my vision. I do believe that this is something that God gave me years ago, not even knowing that I would be a pastor. We're here tonight because, what, Julie, 20 years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York City. And if you ever have a chance to go, it's just one of my favorite places on the planet. I love their choir. If you ever have a chance to pull up their choir's music, it's just phenomenal. It's life-changing. But their pastor will tell you, Jim Cimbala, he will tell you if he has to be traveling, if he's speaking somewhere, if he has to choose whether he's going to miss on a Sunday morning or if he's going to miss on a Tuesday night. Theirs is Tuesday night. Their prayer service is Tuesday night. He will tell you that he's going to opt to miss the Sunday morning because he does not want to miss the Tuesday night. He has a book, if you, ever, if you like to read, it's called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Uh, and it will. it is one of the books that has changed my walk with the Lord. It's one of the books that has changed my service in ministry. And he started his prayer service, I think if I remember correctly, with about six folks. There, he started that prayer meeting with about six folks and a broken organ. Six folks and a broken organ. We had two talented musicians, and there's about 30 of us in this room so we're a far cry from six folks in a broken organ. But today, however many years later, their service is at 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights. And if you don't get there at 530 for their 6,000 plus seat auditorium, if you don't get there at 530, you're not getting a seat. And they come knowing what the evening is about. The evening is about prayer. There's going to be a little bit of a Bible study. There's going to be the evening is about prayer. And they're fighting for their community. And they're fighting for their families. And they're fighting for their friends. And they're fighting for their children. And they're fighting for their marriages. And they're fighting for their schools. And they're fighting for their churches and their church. And they're doing it with prayer. They're battling on a different level than just with bullets and with fists. They're fighting the spiritual battle with spiritual weapons. 
it may not be lost on you uh, that today is Ash Wednesday. I'm borrowing this from a seminary friend's Facebook, with his permission, his Facebook post. I thought he explained it well. Uh, today's Ash Wednesday, which is the beginning of Lent. And Lent is a season that the church has been observing for centuries. It's a time when Jesus' followers prepare themselves to meet with the Lord. Lent prepares us for Good Friday when we remember the death uh, of our Lord and Savior. Uh, and Lent prepares us for Easter Sunday when we celebrate His resurrection. Joshua chapter 3, verse 5 says, Consecrate yourselves. Consecrate means prepare yourselves. Prepare yourselves and set yourselves apart. Consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you. The people of God had to consecrate themselves because they were getting ready to enter the promised land the land that God had been promising them since he introduced himself to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. The Lord would go before them, but the people needed to prepare themselves for all that God was going to call them to. The Lord would go before them, but the people needed to prepare themselves for all that God would call them to. I firmly believe that the Lord continues to go before us here at First Baptist in the Atlantic. I, I, I firmly believe that he continues to go before every family unit, whether they are single, whether they are a couple without kids, whether they are a couple with kids, whether they are a single mom or a single dad. I firmly believe that everything that is happening in our midst right now is the Lord going before folks and calling them here to build his church so that he can have an impact on this community. I'm having a meeting tomorrow at 10 a.m. with the principal at Hoover Middle School. At, Ho at Hoover Middle School. Hoover Middle School? Okay. For those that are listening to the podcast, I'm pointing, trying to figure out which direction Hoover Middle School is in relation to our church. I'm having a meeting with the principal because several weeks, several weeks ago, I had an opportunity to have a conversation with her based on our God-sized offering that we took last fall. You may not know, been here last fall, but we took a, an offering after our journey through experiencing God. We took a God-sized offering. We had a God-sized Sunday, and we gave about $80,000 above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings. And I didn't know what it was for. I just trusted that the Lord was going to tell us when it was time. And over time, He has unveiled opportunities that we have. I knew that it was all going to be outreach and opportunities to minister to our community. I knew it wasn't going to be to fix this or fix this part of our campus or to adjust this part of our campus. That'll come later, I promise you. But I knew that it would be to impact and do ministry into our, com our community. So I was sitting there and I was talking with the principal and I said, I was talking, I was giving her all of my ideas and, and not that he said these words, but I felt like the Lord was telling me to shut up. Jay, have you ever experienced that? Okay. I think he didn't say shut up, but I knew. And then he said, why don't you ask her what they need? And so I just said, so what, what is it that you guys need? And she began to tell me about the struggle that her teachers are experiencing navigating through COVID. Not just themselves personally. My wife is a teacher and many of you are educators and you know that you're not just a teacher. You're not just a paper grader. You are a parent. Not just to your own children and your own families at home, but you're those children's parent to some degree as well. You may not know this, but our food pantry, if you, if you kind of can see yourself in the fellowship hall, you see those cabinets. That's where we store our cereals and our macaroni and cheese. And we do 15 bags every other week for families at Hoover Middle School. And that has opened the door 
for uh, Catherine, uh, Miss McNutt and I to have this conversation. So I looked at her and said, what do y'all need? She goes, my teachers, some of my teachers are struggling. Some of my teachers are hurting. And I just wish I could provide them with some sort of counseling. I wish I could provide them with some sort of help. I wish I could provide them with something, some sort of professional help that just lets them rest, that lets them talk, that lets them heal. And the Lord just said to me, tell her you got it taken care of. And we had already talked as elders that that was one of the things that we felt led to do. So I just looked at her and I said, the church is going to take care of that. And then, then I just felt impressed that the Lord was saying, and then tell her that you're going to do a monetary amount to do gifts for the teachers. And it felt like, ever seen Undercover Boss? Yeah. Like, and then he says, and I'm going to do this for you. That's what I felt like. <laughs> or I felt like Oprah going, you get a car and you get a car. Except we're not buying cars. Um, but, y'all, I, I'm, I'm a fairly intelligent individual. I, I, I have a, a doctorate. I'm, I'm a pretty, but I'm just not that smart. God went ahead of us. God went ahead of us last fall to prepare us for that moment. And I was sharing with the senior adults this morning. We're, we're, we're working to, to regrow our student ministry. We're working to reach students in middle school and students in high school. And sometimes you can't get them just by going to them. So here God has opened a door for us to love on what I call the gatekeepers. So as these students go to these teachers and the students ask the teachers for help, what are the teachers going to do? They're going to remember that we loved them and we loved on them and that we were here to support them. And hopefully they will point our stu- those students towards here. And not that we're anything great, not that we're anything special, but we know someone who is. And we can consistently tell those students time and time again about Jesus. Why? Because the Lord went before us. And he prepared something incredible. So here I get to go tomorrow and have this conversation that puts logistics and puts the decorations on this gift that God arranged well ahead of me. And I firmly believe that that's what God has done with tonight. I want to talk uh, through just a couple of um, things, uh, but I do want to just know you to know that I'm, I'm praying and believing that the Lord is with us this season. Not just this Lent season, but in this season of watching him at work in our church and in our midst, I believe that he is with us in the season of life of our church, of our faith family. And I'm praying that he is, I believe that he's with us. I believe that he's working in us. I believe that he's working through us. And I believe that he's looking to accomplish something eternally significant. And the question is simply, are we going to be prepared? When we see God move, are we ready to move with him? Um, I want to start off just by kind of talking about the logistics of how Wednesdays are going to work. You've, you've kind of experienced it, but I want you to know the different things that are going on. This is what the schedule looks like. At 5.30, we'll start dinner. Doesn't mean you have to be here at 5.30. Uh, it just means we're going to start offering dinner, and we'll publicize each week in the handout what dinner is going to be that week. Uh, all we're trying to do with the costs of dinner is, is pay for it. Some, some weeks we'll, we'll make a little bit, but that will offset when we don't make a little bit. Not everything costs $7. Sometimes the products will only cost us about 5 bucks, but then there will be weeks where we're catering, and it's above that. So we're just trying to break even. We're not trying to uh, break anybody. If you invite somebody and that's, so first of all, we'll do a first timer 
free meal. So let's go ahead and get that out of the way. Let's you know, in, invite people to be with us. But don't let the cost of the meal be a deterrent for somebody. Okay? If that's a deterrent for somebody, then Thelma's got it covered. Okay? There you go. Right there. I'm volunteering her. At 6 o'clock is when our student ministry kicks off. Uh, they have some hangout time and just time to be together. At 6.15, um, there will be music playing in here, and then there, there will be some of our staff and some of our elders. And there, that's just an opportunity for you or somebody you know to come in, and, and maybe you just want to pray with somebody. Or maybe you want to be prayed for or prayed over. We'll have ladies in here. We'll have some of the gentlemen in here. But that's just going to be a 15-minute window just to have some one-on-one -on -one time with one of us so that we can pray for you, so that we can pray over you. Uh, and we'll let that just happen organically. Assist 15 is also when the, the check-in for the kids will start. Uh, and then we'll have some time of worshiping through music, as Scott led us tonight. We'll have a, a brief time of worshiping through the Word. We're going to have some worship through discussion. This is not going to be a repeat of Sunday morning. This isn't just another Sunday morning time. The tables that you're around, we'll probably have those each week because what we'll do, we'll do it in just a moment. We're going to have conversation around the tables. You can learn from each other, um, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. And then we'll have worship, a, a time of worship through prayer, and then we'll dismiss. And the kids are having activities, the students are having activities, and hopefully we'll all be on the same page. The, the first question that I would ask is, is, I think some people might ask is, why, why midweek? Why Wednesday nights? And Karen said this earlier, and I thought it was, was good. We study the Bible better together when we know each other and when we like each other. You want to elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, I do. Has been after having been in a discipleship ministry for a very long time that if people like each other, they're more willing to be open, they're more willing to communicate with each other, they're more willing to say to someone, This is what I heard God's word say. And so if we like each other, then we're willing to do that. And the more we do that with each other, we become we become like each other, but we also love each other. And when we love each other and God's Spirit speaks to us and through us to each other, we all grow together. And that's exciting when we grow together because I can learn from you and you can learn from me and we can learn from Jonathan and Julie and Jay and everybody. We can learn from each other. Um, so use, let's use this time to do that. And the question of why midweek, why Wednesday night, because I don't know about you, but a lot of life happens between Sunday and Sunday. A lot of life happens between Sunday and Sunday. Um, we we now we, we've always we've had three girls, but we now have three girls playing three different sports and going in three different directions most most every night of the week. Matter of fact, we're about to start where I'm going to have to go to one game and she's going to have to go to a practice, and we're hoping that the other one can drive herself, even though she's ten. <laughs> no, I'm, that was a joke. Sort of. Um, but a lot of life happens between Sunday and Sunday. And there's just something encouraging about coming together and seeing one another and diving into God's Word and then also praying together. The emphasis will be prayer. We'll get to that in just a moment. Why are we calling it Route 66? If you've got your Bibles, if you'll turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. If you want to pull out one of the Bibles in the chair underneath you, it's page 1062. 1062 Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. 
And, and let me let me put the verse in context for you. If if you were to if you were to uh, summarize Hebrews chapter four in one or two words, the context of the chapter is is rest. It's finding a level of true rest and not the sleep kind of rest, not necessarily your physical body kind of rest. But have you ever have you ever been just physically you're you're with it, your your body is wide awake, but emotionally you are just drained? Have you ever been just where physically and emotionally you were you were fine, you were fit, but mentally you were just done for the day? Have you ever been socially spent? Julie and I joke because we're completely different on this level. Julie is an extrovert. I am an introvert. You may look at me and go, that's a lie. You're not an introvert. Introversion and extroversion are not about shy and outgoing. Introversion and extroversion are about how you recharge. I don't recharge being with people. So today is Ash Wednesday, which means yesterday was... It was Fat Tuesday, and it was Mardi Gras. Now, New Orleans had that storm come through, so they didn't have anything. But normally, if you live in New Orleans, it's Mardi Gras, and everywhere else is just Tuesday. But Julie and the girls love the Mardi Gras season. And they're about two weeks leading up to Fat Tuesday, and on Fat Tuesday, there are parades every night. And there could be one or there could even be two parades and then there will be parties and then there people will have birthday parties during Mardi Gras. And then other people will have parties because somebody else had a party and then they'll have a party to celebrate the party that they celebrated while they were having a party. (laughs) And Julie can go party to party to parade to parade to party to party to parade to parade. And then she will get home and wonder when the next parade is. Julie can talk to me four weeks before Mardi Gras and ask me if I have seen the parade schedule and I am worn out. It's just how, it's just how you're different. We get spent in so many different ways. Spiritual rest, social rest, emotional rest, mental rest, emotional rest, physical rest. That is what, if you were to summarize Hebrews chapter 4 in one word, it'd be rest. And he says this in, uh, in verse 12. He's talked about rest. Then he says, for the word of God. Okay, he's basically telling you where you're going to find ultimate rest. You're going to find ultimate rest in the word of God because it is living and it is effective. Your translation may have said active And it is sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of of the heart. In other words, the Word of God is able to get to the point. It's able to get to the root of what we need, of what our hearts desire, of what is going to draw us closer to the Father is what is going to draw us closer to Jesus. That's found in the Word of God. So in Route 66, what we're going to do is we're going to do a book-by-book overview of the Bible. Next week, Tony Smith is going to kick us off. And some books, some books can't be done in just one setting. So some book, but for the most part, it's going to be this week, we're doing this book. This week, we're doing this book. Genesis, we've got to divide into three different parts. And Tony Smith's going to kick us off next week with Genesis chapters 1 through 11. And what they're going to do is they're going to provide a general idea of the book where we find Christ in the book, 
and how we might possibly apply that book to our lives. I think that's the kicker. That's going to be the challenging one. So how many of you have ever read the book of Habakkuk? Awesome. Five people. How many of you have, Oh, six. You probably have read through the Bible in a year, Mav. You know, not many people have just opened up their book and went, you know what? I want to read the book of Haggai today. You know. So what we're going to do is we're going to go book by book. And that way, it's this ongoing thing where if you began this journey today, you're going to, you're going to, and you came every week, which would be so awesome. You're going to walk away having 66 overviews of the book of the Bible. But if somebody came in in four weeks as the first time ever, and they were just four weeks would be Leviticus, probably not the best week to, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but you know, if somebody came in and all of a sudden we're in Isaiah, and I believe Linda, I believe you're teaching Isaiah, so no pressure, but that's got to be a really strong week. But if they came in on that week and they've missed the books before it, they're not going to be lost because that night's about Isaiah. And Davy has started doing this podcast thing so they could capture it and catch up later if they want to as they hear the summaries and the overviews of each book. But, but hear what I said. It's an overview of the book. It's where you're going to find Christ in the book. And then it's about how to apply that book to your life. And we're going to do this in two ways. We're going to have a master teaching time. A, a preaching message, but then there's going to be small group discussion because we learn in community and we're going to build relationships and we're going to disciple one another. You've probably heard me say this before, but I'll say it again and I'll say it 122 more times. You need three people in your life. Anybody know how to finish this sentence? You need three people in your life. You need a Paul in your life or a Paula. You need somebody in, in your life who is further ahead in their spiritual journey than you. You need somebody who has walked through different avenues of life so that they can bring you along, so they can coach you. Uh, you meet with a young lady in South Carolina by Zoom every Tuesday. Maggie, is that her name? And, and so Karen is a little further along in her spiritual journey than Maggie is in hers. And so what, what Karen is doing is discipling her, investing her life. But you also need a Timothy in your life or a Timothea in your life. There's no, there is now. Um, you need somebody who you are further along in your spiritual journey than they are. You need somebody that, that you are bringing along. You have a Paul or a Paula who's bringing you. You have a Timothy or a Timothy who's bringing you. And then you need a Barnabas or a Barbara in your life. You need somebody who's at that same level, that same place in your journey that you are, that can do nothing, but they're just there for an encouragement. And what my hope and what my goal and what my vision is for these tables, or if it, even if it's just a circle of chairs, is that there's a Dave in every group who's been a Christian since, you know, since he, you know, since he can remember and has walked with the Lord for years and years and years. And then there's a, a Julie Who's, who's a little bit you know, behind a Sue or behind a Karen, but she's still a little bit ahead. And then there's somebody who maybe just came to the Lord three or four weeks ago, who, who doesn't know much, but, but, wants, but is on the journey. And my hope and my prayer is that at each table, in each circle, there's different people and there's different places along the journey. Because even if you're a Timothy, you have something to share with a Paul. And even if you're a Paul, you have something to share with a Barnabas. And no matter where we are in our journey, we can learn from each other. 
And all I would ask is if you are, Karen walked around today and she asked some of you just to be the, the lead, the person that would lead the conversation. This is not, we call them like discussion facilitators or small group leaders. We're not asking you to give hours and hours of preparation. Here's all I need from you. If you'd be willing to be a table leader on Wednesday nights, I just need your email. Because Tuesday nights, we're going to send you the questions in advance. And that's all it is. You asking the questions that will come out of our time together. So let's, let's, let's do this. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. If you're using one of the Bibles in the, in the chairs, turn to page uh, 1034. 1034. Karen, would you like to join a group? Or do you feel by yourself over there? Or... Nobody loves you? Is that... All right, here, here is an example of how this is going to play out. So Galatians chapter 5, look at verse, find verse 22. If you're new to Bible study, again, it's on page 1034 in the, in the Bible in your chair. Is that right? Did I get it wrong? Oh, I have a different Bible. Uh, look at verses 22 and 23. Look at verses 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things, but the fruit, or against such things there is no law. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. I'm going to give you a couple minutes to answer this question, and this is the question that your, that your leader would ask if he or she had them from the night before. Looking at this list of fruit... What are the two fruit that you need to work on the most in your life and why? On your mark, get set. What are the two fruit, looking at this list, that you probably need to look at most of all, you need to work on most of all in your life? On your mark, get set. Going to give you a couple minutes to talk about it. Go. That's a good point. If you need to introduce yourself to your table, take a minute and do that too. another minute. How many of you said self-control? How many of you, how many, or how many tables, at least somebody said self-control at your table? Anybody say patience? Anybody say patience? My wife's looking at me like I'm an idiot. Anybody say gentleness? All right. Those are the top three that people normally say when, when you ask them. We, we did a, when we were in St. Louis, uh, our pastor, our interim pastor, actually did a, a series on the, the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, we were only, it was only going to be a four-week series. And we're like, are there, are there nine of them? And he's like, so this is what I'm going to do. So he preached a general overview of the fruit of the Spirit. And then he get a, did a survey. And he was going to preach on the ones that people wanted to work on the most. And then, and so number, number three was gentleness. Number two was patience. And then number one was self-control. And I'll never forget as long as I live. So he, he uh, said that morning that he was going to do the number one requested. And he said, so today we're going to talk about self-control. And everybody, all you literally heard the entire sanctuary go, oh. 
And then Tom looks at everybody. His name's Tom Hufty, by the way. He's going to be here at the beginning of March. Uh, I'm so excited to introduce you to him. He was like, y'all asked for it, you know, that kind of thing. But literally, and you've done this before. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But that's all that a small group discussion is. It's just hearing a question and bouncing off of it. There aren't any right or wrong answers. It's just listening to each other and hearing the Lord speak through each other. There probably actually are some wrong answers, but that's what this is for, to journey together and to be a part of it and to bounce off one another. And you may be, you may be the three-week-old Christian, you may be the 30-year-old Christian, but the reality is we can all learn from one another. But it is about understanding where we are and going from there. Let's do another one. Um, we're all at different places on our journey, but we all have something to offer the conversation. Uh, if someone at the table, there should be uh, ind- uh, index cards. If Someone doesn't mind being the scribe because I actually want to see the answers to this question. But if you had a question that you could ask the Bible, if you had one question about, if you had a question about the Bible, if you had one question for the Bible, what would what would you like to understand better about the Bible? What is something you'd like to understand better about the Bible? Maybe a book that doesn't make any sense to you. It may be the way it was written. But what is something you would like to understand better about God's Word? Talk about it in your group. Then somebody just write it down for me. But on your mark, get set. What is one question you have about the Bible? What's one question you might have for the Bible? What is, what is, what is something you'd like to understand better? On your mark, get set, go. Let me add a question to your conversation. What do you think the purpose of the Bible is? What do you think the purpose of the Bible is? Well, let me throw it out there for the larger group, and I'm probably going to repeat what you say just so that if somebody's listening to the podcast later, what is one question that you might have for the Bible? What is one question that you you might have about the Bible? Anybody? (laughs) You can raise your hand if you want to. That's fine. Okay, the question is, why do we have free will? I think that's a great question for the Bible. I'm not going to answer it now, but I think it's a great question. I have to look at my answer later. Somebody else, what's a question that you might have for the Bible? Why are there two columns on the page? Why can't it just be straight across? <laughs> I feel like I'm done with the page, but I'm not. Why isn't it one? Hurt. Some people have one column. We need to get you a different Bible. Somebody else, what's a question you might have? For, what's a question you might have for the Bible? Why are there so many difficult names? Because I think they were just putting together sounds. That's what I think. Matt, it's coming back to you. Jethro, Moses is. Uh, he was a priest of Midian, so there is there is a, a implication that he probably was. He probably did believe in, but obviously God's introducing himself, but he comes along and he's a part of the journey as well. So if he wasn't, at some point, there is a more than likeliness that he became a believer. Jethro. What are the actual ending verses for the book of Mark? What are the actual? (laughs) We'll get there. 
give me time. You know, it's so funny though. I was I was telling Karen. Well, I can't say it because it's an it's a question of trivia night. Never mind, Julie. Who really wrote Hebrews? I'm gonna, I'm gonna hurt you. What are the reasons behind the Psalms? Okay. When the world reads it, there seems like there's so many contradictions, but we understand that there's a flow and it does agree. So Julie's making, so here's what's funny. Julie's making a joke because we were at a conference in Jacksonville a while back and the speaker, we're in the balcony. We're in the speak. We're, we're in the balcony, and the speaker says, "This was at Sunday, the Sunday school hour, but it's this huge gathering in their main worship center." And the speaker gets up and he says, "If you'll turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter whatever it was," and then he said, "Just to give you a little background," he said, "I can unequivocally, without a doubt, tell you that Paul is the author of Hebrews." And my wife, with the filter that she does not possess, says in her outside voice, can he do that? Oh my gosh, can he really do that? And I am literally like, no, he can't, but shh. And I'm looking down to see, and there are people going, Here's, here's the thing. Sometimes we don't ask questions of the Bible because we see it as another book. Do you remember what we just read from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12? It's living and it's active. It's effective. This is a living organism. It interacts with us. We interact with it. We can ask questions. We can ask the hard questions. I can tell you, and Karen's going to tell you. Uh, Dave could tell you. Dave Brock could tell you. Mr. Gallo will probably tell you. Mrs. Gallo will probably tell you. There's going to be times where we just have to say, I don't know. And there may be times where I have to tell you, I don't know, but I'll get back to you. And give me time to, to look it up. Why, why was the Bible written? Tell me, say exactly, or not exactly, because, you know, that would be, but... Absolutely. Purpose of the Bible is to bring people to Christ. If, if you go into Corinthians, it tells us we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Who's given the ultimate ministry of reconciliation? That was Christ. You and I were created to be in a relationship with the Father. Christ came to, to rebridge that gap to give us that relationship with the Father, to reconcile that relationship with the Father. What does Scripture do? Scripture points us to Christ. From Genesis to Revelation, by the way, it's only one revelation, it's not revelations. From Genesis to Revelation, every book will point you to Christ. doesn't mean that you start there immediately when you read the passage. I said this to the senior adults a couple of Wednesdays ago, and Dave and Sue were about the only two that looked at me and went like this. But you can't start every story and immediately go to Christ. Because if in the other ones looked like I was speaking heresy. Like you don't, you don't look at Abraham and Isaac and immediately go to Christ on the cross. You don't look at Abraham's, the story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac and immediately go to God sacrificing Jesus on the cross. Now, is there a parallel? Does, does it, you know, is there foreshadowing there? Absolutely. But if you go there too fast, you miss the whole story of Abraham and Isaac and the sacrifice and the ram. Doesn't mean that it's not going to point you to Christ. Obviously it does. That's the whole point of Scripture. 
to point us to Christ so that Christ can point us to the Father. But if you, if you go there immediately, you miss so much meat. You miss so much that, that, that Scripture has there for us. So what, we're, what are we going to do? We're going to go Genesis to Exodus, Leviticus to Numbers, to Deuteronomy, to Joshua, Judges, to Ruth, to First and Second Samuel, to First and Kings, First and Second Chronicles, to Ezra, to Nehemiah, to Esther. And then we're going to keep going through the prophets in the, in, the, in, the, in the wisdom literature. And then we're going to go into the Gospels. And then we're going to go into the Epistles. And then we're going to go into the ending, the prophecy. And we're going to see book by book how it points us to Christ so that our relationship with the Father grows and increases. Every now and then in the schedule, you'll hear somebody like a Tony teach or Linda's going to teach or Karen's going to teach. And uh, I think Keith is going to teach a couple of them as well, Keith Gallo. And there's going to be other teachers. And every now and then you're going to hear us talk about a thing called the care effect. What's the care effect? Every now and then we're going to interrupt the cycle, but it doesn't mean we're taking a night off. Matter of fact, it just means we're kind of doing do something different. We're going to add a missions emphasis to what we're doing, and we're going to call it the care effect because we're going to see how caring for our community is effective. And Davy, who's right there, I don't know if y'all had a chance to welcome Davy and his wife Sarah and their three children to our church, but Davy's our new pastoral ministry associate. God worked it out where he could be here and, and learn from us and then uh, pour into us as well. But Davey's going to take the lead on this thing called the care effect. And Davey's going to work with uh, organizations in our city and opportunities in our city and in our community where we can go out and we can serve and we can be the hands and we can be the feet and we can be the heartbeat and we can be the mouthpiece of Jesus. And on sometimes where there's five Wednesdays in a month, we're going to take that fifth Wednesday. We're going to do the care effect. We're going to take a month of July and we're going to do the care effect where our church goes into our community intentionally not just with the gospel, but with these, and with these, and we're going to serve. And even if all you can do is hold a ladder while somebody else does the real work, that would be me. <laughs> then we're going to we're going to put we're going to put it to work and put it to use. So we're going to have a time of, of Bible study, of, of some master teaching, for lack of a better phrase. Then we're going to have this small group discussion where we learn from one another. Because I'm going to be walking around now telling people that the purpose of the Bible, that's, that's, you've given me you know, my next statement. But then we're going to emphasize prayer. And it's 730 right now. And so what I've instructed the guys and the ladies to do is if they get to this point, it's, it's where we're going to kind of wrap it up for the night. And what we're going to begin to do is we're going to give the last 20 minutes or so to praying for our community, to praying for one another. And everything we're doing is going to evolve. It's probably not going to look just like this in a year. Hopefully the room's going to be fuller. Hopefully we're going to have different elements that have come into play. But we're launching something tonight and we're going to see later on what God's going to do. But it's going to take investment. We're going to have to be committed to what this is. And so we're committed to 66 books of the Bible. It's going to take us a bit, at least a year and a half to do it. And we're going to see what God does. And then we're going to emphasize this idea of praying for our community, praying for Hoover Middle School, praying for Indy Atlantic Elementary, praying for the Shepherds, praying for the Brocks, praying for the Millers, praying for Susan, praying for the Milotowitzes. And then praying for people that the millers know. And then praying for people that, that Eddie and Alexis know. We're going to pray for Cora's salvation. We're going to pray for Kyle as he travels. 
this home. You know, we're going to pray for the people in Dallas and in Houston that are being hit by the storm. We're going to pray for our community when we know that things are happening. We're going to do battle in prayer. And there's different models that we can form. And here's the deal. Not everybody at your table is going to be comfortable praying out loud. And we're not going to create an uncomfortable opportunity for them where they all of a sudden we're going around the circle and they feel like they got to say something. I was telling Karen when I was at Hilldale Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama, I was the interim there. And during one of the rehearsals, I looked at my friend Jackie Morrison and I said, Jackie, would you close us in a word of prayer? And she said, no. I said, Jackie, I, no, I'm serious. Would you pray for us? And she goes, I'm serious too. No. <laughs> Jackie wasn't comfortable praying out loud. Not everybody is. Doesn't mean that we're not going to challenge people to step out of their comfort zone sometime. I went to Johnson Ferry. It's where I met Julie. And then Hildale called and asked if I would come back and be their music and youth guy again. And I looked at, looked at the group, which Jackie was a part of. And I said, I'd be glad to on one condition. My first rehearsal, you pray out loud. And she did. She wrote it out and she came to rehearsal with, with her prayer written out and ready to go. And that was uncomfortable for her, but it was a step forward. We all start somewhere different. Prayer is our power source. Turn to Matthew chapter 21, please. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew's the first gospel. If you're using a Bible in, in, the, in the chair, it's page, 100, page 875 or 876. Matthew chapter 21, verse 13 says this. And normally, I, we would ask you to read at your tables. I'm just reading for the sake of the recording. Jesus has gone into the temple. He threw out all those buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, and he was quoting Isaiah chapter 56. He said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of, say it together, prayer. Say it with me. It is written, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you're making it a den of thieves. He called this room, this building, this area that you and I are in right now, he called it and asked it and told us that it would be a house of prayer. This is our battlefield. This is where we fight for the lives in our community. This is where we fight for the kids, for the students, for the marriages, for all the people in and walking through our community. This is where we have the greatest impact. When we have something going on in our lives, when something's not right in a, in a family member's life, when somebody has gone astray, this is where we can fight for them. And it's not just that. It's where I can come to this table and I can say, this is what's going on in my life. I can't explain it real well, but would you guys pray for me? And it's just, just, it's that rest again, knowing that, that I know that Ken is going to pray for me if I put it in front of him. I don't, I don't need to be asked a lot of questions. And, and, and it's, I think what we also do, and I don't want to turn into story time either. Years ago, years ago before Julie and I, we had a, a young lady who every rehearsal would raise her hand to give a prayer request and the rest of us would just moan because we knew that she was going to start off with, I've got three praises and a prayer request. And we knew that the prayer request was always going to start with when I was 13. And, and, and what she was struggling with was serious, but it was like, hey, could you just tell us what to pray for so we don't turn, tune out? 
But there's something about knowing that David Brock is going to pray for me, even if I can't communicate it real well, just getting it out there. Why? Because we were built for community. Even the most introverted among us was built for community, was built for relationships. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. If you're using that same Bible and that's under the chair, it's on page 1039. If you're in the Gospels, you're going to turn to the right. You're going to find the Georgia Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians chapter 6. And the question is, well, what do, what do, what do we pray about? What are we going to pray about? Paul has just finished talking about the armor of God. You might be familiar with that passage. Look at verse 10. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like an armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request. Pray at all times in the Spirit with what? Every prayer and request. What do we get to pray about when we come together? Anything and everything. It's not so small that God doesn't care about it. It's not so large that He can't do anything about it. Hear that. Because that's what we have to let other people know as well. There's nothing so small in our lives that he doesn't care about it. There's nothing so large that he can't take care of it. But it's not just about, it's not going to be just about giving our requests. But we also need to do a much, much better job as the faith family of praising him for when he answers prayer. And sharing with each other when God has won a victory. Of celebrating when God has accomplished something. I don't share with you the relationship over that, that I get to go have this conversation tomorrow because I get, we get to do something cool. I want to share because I want to celebrate with you what God has done between our relationship and Hoover Middle School. Because I'm praying that God will do the same thing with our relationship in Indian Atlantic Elementary. And I hope he'll go even further into Satellite Beach and into Melbourne Beach. Scott, I pray every Wednesday morning that God will rock your condo. That God will use the two of you to lead your condo complex. Is it a condo? That God will lead you guys to lead your condo the, to the Lord. Because that's something that we're going to be able to celebrate is your faith family. I, I pray for Keith and, and, and I pray for you guys' business. And the impact that you can have on the community. Because every time you go and you do doors or you do windows in somebody, that's an opportunity that the Lord gives you to share Christ with somebody. And that's a win for us because it's a win for the kingdom. 
Every time a kid comes to Christ, anytime there's a healing, anytime that a marriage is reconciled, anytime that something happens, we can celebrate that as a faith family. But what we do is we spend too much time going to the next thing and asking the Lord for whatever's next. And we could spend so much more time celebrating what God has done, victory after victory, victory after victory, and reminding ourselves that we can indeed, like I said several weeks ago, we do and we can walk in victory on a daily basis. And we ought to celebrate that. Because when something exciting has happened in Steve's life, Steve doesn't know that I might be going through a, a really bad day. But all of a sudden, I'm celebrating what Steve does. And all of a sudden, my really bad day takes on a very new perspective. It doesn't mean that that day all of a sudden just got really, really better. It just means it gave me a different perspective. And I can celebrate with Steve what God's doing in his life. And I can be reminded that God's at work in Steve's life. And God hasn't abandoned me either. Why? Because I can bring every prayer and every request and every praise to him. He's interested in it all. And so that's what we're going to do. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We've got just a few minutes left. And I'm just going to ask you to pray together as, as, a, as a table. You might share a couple of requests. I'm going to ask you to do four things. I'm going to ask you to, to, to praise him. I'm going to ask you to just to take a minute and do some just a, a moment of self-reflection and see if there's anything you need to get right with the Lord. You don't have to share that with your table. But then I want to ask you to thank him for a couple of things that he's done recently. And then you can ask him. Then you can share requests. It's a, it's a, a strategy that they call the Acts Method. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and the big word is supplication. I use the word stuff, <laughs> but it's acts. So I'm going to ask you to take a minute and somebody pray, whoever's comfortable, and we're going to spend some time praying. Somebody just, just praise the Lord right where you are. Somebody then take a moment, and I'll, I'll, I'll coach you, through, I'll walk you through each step. But let's close our evening in a word of prayer. But take some time and just praise the Lord right where you are. Just maybe share some things that he's done, or somebody just tell God how good he is at your table. But you go ahead and pray as a team, and then I'll guide you through with the next step. On your mark, get set, let's pray together, go. With our new Wednesday nights. I have no, no idea all that you have in store. I have no clue what this is going to look like next week, a month from now, or a year from now. But we give it to you. Asking you to use it in incredible ways beyond anything we could ask or anything imagine. Father, I was, I was hoping for 20 tonight. Like total, God, 20, like kids, students, adults. And once again, I have proven that my spiritual gift is in underestimating you. And I'm so grateful. And Father, may we have in our mind's eye what you started this evening. So that in the days and weeks and months and years ahead, as we continue to do battle for our community, as we continue to lift high the name of Jesus for all of those around us, that because we continue to lift you high, that you will draw all men and women, all boys and girls to yourself, and that you would get so much glory out of us. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your work. And we ask this and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's Ash Wednesday. Nash is a time of preparation. But Joshua 3, verse 5 says, Consecrate yourselves. Because the Lord might do, because the Lord...
could probably do. No. It says, consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you. Do not come back next week alone, but invite somebody and bring them with you. God bless you. I'll either see you Saturday night at Trivia Night, Sunday morning for worship, or I'll see you next week here. God bless you. Have a great evening.